Theological education should be accessible. In the past, men have had to leave their local churches to train for the ministry. At Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, you can now complete a seminary education while staying in your own church and being mentored by your own pastor. For more information on how you can receive informed scholarship with Pastoral Heart, check out our website, cbtseminary.org. You are listening to Sermon Select on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Welcome to another CBTS Virtual Chapel service. Today, bringing the word will be Pastor Jim Sevastio. He has been a pastor at the Reformed Baptist Church in Louisville for 31 years now. And you can also hear him in the podcast Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding. Come on up, Jim. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn together to Paul's epistle to, the, uh, to Titus, and uh, Titus in chapter 2. And in light of uh, time constraints, I'm simply going to read verse 15. I trust most of you are familiar with the context of, uh, of the book of Titus, and particularly here, Titus chapter 2, where Paul has laid out a series of practical instructions he had said in verse 1, uh, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. And then he addresses older men and older women and younger, uh, younger women and younger men, uh, etc. He also addresses uh, uh, those in the domestic relations of bond servants uh, as well as those in pastoral ministry. He exhorts him uh, it to, in verse uh, 7 uh, to show a life of integrity, verses 7 uh, and 8. And then all of this is rooted in the gospel as it brings out, uh, beginning at verse 11. And then he concludes this section by saying this, Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one despise you. Well, let's pray and ask God's help as we look into his word. Our Father in heaven, thank you for these uh, few moments to spend together uh, studying the word of God and striving to have it apply to our hearts. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you will grant help and clarity uh, to me as I preach and to uh, my brothers, as they hear, we ask this for your glory and for our good and growth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This coming Lord's Day, there will be some preacher or other who will, uh, having stood in the pulpit, will depart from that pulpit for the last time. That's to say, he will have preached his last sermon. Now, he may not know that that was his last sermon. It may be that in the hours following that preaching, God is going to call that man home. It might be that something is going to happen in the providence of God to that church that will mean that he'll never uh, enter that pulpit again. It may be, sadly, that after he has preached that sermon, that some moral failure is going to be discovered in his life 
It will cause him to step down perhaps permanently from gospel ministry. When that ministry is over, whether the man has, I should have added as well, perhaps the man is going to retire. And it is stated, just I recently preached uh, a, uh, a final concluding sermon for a friend of mine uh, who was ending years of ministry at a particular place. When that man's ministry is over, that congregation generally will step back and they will evaluate the man and his message. We'll speak about how he preached the word and how well he attended his particular the flock. The criteria by which one person evaluates a pastor in his ministry will differ, of course, from person to person and from congregation to congregation. Some will put a higher standard on one thing and perhaps others on another. Some will really appreciate a man who is more open and gregarious and others will appreciate a man who is more scholarly, whatever the case is, but they will Consider then the man's life and his ministry, and they will make an evaluation, whether that was a good ministry or bad ministry, whether he was a faithful preacher or an unfaithful one. Now, ultimately, whether a congregation does that for us or to us or not, God will, in the end, evaluate, the scriptures teach us, both our life and our ministry, we will give an account to the one who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. And God is going to judge each man and each ministry, not purely on the basis of some kind of visible success or congregational acclaim, but according to the clear standard of his word. And such a standard is laid out in this passage before us. It is a text which, if embraced and obeyed, will make some men less popular and less loved, but it will allow them to stand before God at the end of his days with a good conscience. As we come to this text, uh, as you're hearing it right now for me, afternoon, for you, morning or night, wherever it is, uh, I want to consider together uh, three things. I want to consider, first of all, I'm going to make these very simple headings, the message, the manner, and the man. Let's consider, first of all, the message. And I've already tried to allude a little bit what Paul is bringing out here in Titus chapter 2. But we can emphasize that this message is the reality of the gospel and the application of the gospel or the truth of the gospel and what the gospel produces. And Paul is very clear in his ministry on both of these elements. And both of these elements need to make up a faithful pastoral ministry. That is, we need to be clear in regard to what the gospel is, but we also need to be equally clear in regard to what the gospel produces. And there are ministries that sometimes emphasize one to the neglect of the other. That is, there are certain ministries that are doctrinal-centered, and perhaps they will say even gospel-centered, but they will never have a therefore at the conclusion of it. So they will tell people that Jesus came and that Jesus died and that Jesus takes away our sin and that we cannot be saved by our works, that there's no law in regard to our salvation. But there's never anything in regard to the truth of what that gospel produces in the life 
of a man or woman, boy or girl, if they embrace it. There's nothing of the new life in Christ. There's nothing of the uh, good works which God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. And, and so there are ministries where men will say, it's not my job to apply. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. I just point people to Christ. And if I just make much of Christ and make much of the gospel, it will of itself naturally produce the kind of godliness and holiness that we might desire. Now that sounds very spiritual, but that's not how the Apostle Paul thought. As you know, and you'll see in your studies, and I trust if you're already in ministry, that you're already doing this. That is, you open up the truth of the text, as Paul does, or open up the truth of the gospel and, and emphasize the person and work of Christ. But Paul always has a therefore in his ministry. That is, these truths, once embraced and, and once experienced, and I want to make that very clear, that these truths need to be understood, we need to be able to articulate them, but we must also have experienced them uh, in our own lives so that we're not preaching an unknown and unloved and unfelt Christ to, to God's people, that when we talk about grace, we're talking about something that we've experienced. When we talk about the mercy of God toward wretched sinners, language we like to use as Reformed folks, we're talking about something that we've actually experienced. We're talking about where we've been. We're giving our own testimony. But having opened that up and explained that and exalted in that to the glory of God, Paul always has a now therefore or therefore brethren. And in light of that, and that's really the major emphasis here in Titus chapter 2. It's a lot of practical Christianity, and it is the job, as for you, speak the things concerning sound doctrine. And what he means there is the application of sound doctrine, the domestic application of, of sound doctrine, the relational uh, emphasis of sound doctrine. What does this mean if I am going to be a man or a woman of God. He wants Timothy, or he wants Titus to be able to do just what uh, Timothy was going to be able to do, and that is face the day of judgment with joy and expectation, having fulfilled his ministry. One of the things the Apostle Paul says to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, very familiar words, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And, and let me pause here because I, I, I got, uh, I went off uh, uh, my rail here just a little bit. I mentioned that there are some men who will preach the gospel and not give application. There are other men who will give application and not preach the gospel. And so there are preachers who love to convince and exhort and rebuke and to tell people how you're to live and to tell you, women, you need to be this way and men, you need to be this way. But they, they rarely, if ever, tie it in to the reality that I live this way and I can only be this way because of the gospel. And so I say to the folks in my home church, we need to live on both sides of the therefore. And you need to have the gospel clearly presented, and then the application of the gospel must be unashamedly presented. But don't unashamedly proclaim the, uh, the fruit of the gospel without giving 
the reality and the root of the gospel. So he tells them, be ready to preach and to do all of these things. And he says, for the time will come when they, and that's talking sadly about the people in the church, will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill, he says, your ministry." And in order to fulfill that ministry, to do what God has called you to do, then you need to be able to have a very clear message that you give, a message that's, again, rooted in the gospel, the realities of the gospel, and the application of the gospel, so that God's people can be instructed in the way that they should live. The Apostle Paul, in talking to the Ephesian elders, uh, says in Acts chapter 20 uh, and, uh, and at verse 20 and 21 that he kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and to Greeks also repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he can go on to say in verses 26 and 27, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. He was going to be able to stand before God because he was going to be faithful to the message that was given to him. So Paul says in verse 15, speak these things, speak these truths, give these truths truths. Give the truth of how God's people are to live a life in this, uh, I don't know if I want to say, I'm tempted to say increasingly wicked world. I think some people back in Rome 2,000 years ago might argue with me and say, well, we had it pretty badly then too. I think it's always, the, the, church, the church's lot has always been cast amidst unbelief and ungodliness and worldliness and all the rest. It may seem like it's getting worse to us, but it, it's always been bad. And it was into such a world uh, that the Savior of sinners came and that God's people are to live distinct lives of godliness. So he is to address. This might not have always been easy as, 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 a, as a man to go in and say, you need to encourage, exhort the older women to interact with the younger women and to teach the older women these things and the younger women these things. And you might think to yourself, well, who am I to do that? I'm, I don't know how old Titus was, but uh, here I am as a man. And that you have to exhort older men uh, to live a certain way. And again, you, the only way that you can do that is if you have some sense that I am God's messenger bringing God's word to God's people. That is, I'm not standing here and simply giving my own opinion. I am opening up and faithfully expounding and giving to the Lord's people uh, Christ's mind. And so he says, speak these things. Show them from the word of God how God wants them to live. Don't shy away from the practical applications of Christ's likeness. Now, some people will call preaching like that moralism, or some will call preaching like that legalism, and, and sometimes it can be. And certainly if it is divorced from 
gospel preaching, if it is divorced from our new life in Christ, if it is simply live this way, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and try harder or whatever it is, then yes, that might be a ministry of, of moralism. But he says, speak these things. You need to command. You need to be able to tell God's people this is God's will for your life. But again, brethren, when you speak these things, you're also articulating in verse 11, and here's the word for, another connective word. Why are you to live this way? Why do older people live this way? Younger people live this way? Why are bond servants to live this way? Verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. These are the things the man of God is to preach. These are the things that relate to sound doctrine. And so that's our message, uh, dear ones. Make sure, make sure, man of God, that as you study these rich doctrines in, in your class and as something burns within you with a desire to share these things. Never divorce those things from the reality that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Make sure that your ministry makes much of Christ, but make sure that your ministry also not only highlights the priestly work of Christ, but the prophetic work of Christ and the kingly work of Christ and transforming his people to live in an ungodly generation. I need to hasten on. Let's consider, secondly, the manner how is this message to be conveyed? Well, look at the text. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. There are in the text a series of what are called present active imperatives. That is things that are to be constantly obeyed by Titus and by implication all those who are in ministry. There is, again, this overarching term, speak these things. It's a generic word for the use of the voice and the conveying of information. That is, publicly preach these things. But also, there is the recognition that in the bringing about of the Word of God, there will be exhortation and there will be rebuking. There will be exhortation a coming alongside and a helping of God's people, uh, an encouragement, a, a, a wooing, a, a championing along with them of the, of the realities that God is with them and that God is for them in their pursuit of Christ-likeness and in the putting to death of their sin. But then there is also going to be the matter at times of rebuking and I recognize that in, in certain settings and, and among certain churches, there are going to be certain things that are emphasized. This is one of the things that's often been emphasized in Reformed churches. And so I'm, I realize that I'm, I'm, I'm going to perhaps be speaking to the choir 
And as I'm speaking to this choir, uh, I am going in a particular direction here. Uh, but it may be for some of you, if I said to you, listen, you need to rebuke in your ministry, some of you are like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to do that. I love getting up in the pulpit, and I love looking in the eyes of people and telling them how they're sinning and, and what they're doing wrong. Well, sometimes, obviously, that needs to be done. And it can be done in a way that is, that is harsh, in a way that is unloving, in a way that is legalistic, in a way that is devoid of hope, in a way that uh, makes certain people feel like they've only been beaten down. And I've noticed this in certain reform contexts in the past that a uh, congregation didn't feel they'd really been preached to unless they felt badly when they left the sermon, unless they had been really exposed, unless the law of God had been squeezing their conscience. And some men perhaps have backed away from that and have become shy in regard to the exposing of sin. Now, I do want to say this, men, if we are going to be those who expose sin, then let's focus on the sin in our congregation. It's one thing for a man to sound bold or courageous as he exposes the sins that are out there and call certain people to action or to repentance and talk about sexual perversion and talk about liberalism and talk about what's going on in Hollywood and talk about what's going on in the current administration and, and all of the rest. Okay, fine and good, but those people aren't in your church. And if you do that and you're considered correct, man, that guy said about homosexuality or he said this about transgender. And I'm not saying you don't ever address that. But I don't know about you. I don't have any transgender people in my congregation. I do have people struggling with pornography. I do have husbands that aren't loving their wives. I do have some people that don't always get along. And so if I'm going to apply the truth of God, yes, I may need to expose and decry what's going on in society, but our rebuking needs to be, if it's going to be biblical and courageous, do what Paul said to, to Titus when he told him, Cretans are always, and idle bees, lazy gluttons, and all the rest. This testimony is true. Therefore, reprove them, and the them he has in mind are the them in the church. And there's too much of, of, of what's considered brave preaching, talking about communists, talking about socialists or whatever else. Well, unless those people are in your congregation, the proportion of our exhortation and rebuking ought to be given to those who are before us. When Paul told Titus that those Cretans were in his church and those sins were affecting the people in his church, and to that end, he brought about rebuke. Now, that rebuke, Paul says, is done, or that exhorting and rebuke and that speaking of these things is to be done with all authority. It's to be done in a, a manner that is in keeping with the source of this truth. And so what I'm saying here, I'm not, I'm not saying here that you need to yell these things. I'm not saying you need to scream these things. But I am saying that when you stand in the pulpit and you are opening up the mind of God through the word of God and you are confident that you've done your homework, you have accurately studied the text, that you can stand there and tell people 
that this is what God has said for us to do. And, and so that you are, you're not laying these things out and saying, now listen, I, I've got like seven principles of, of how you're to do this and, and you know, whether or not you do it. Well, that's, folks, that's up to you. No, you stand there and say, listen, if you are the blood-bought possession of Jesus Christ, this is God's authoritative word to you. I didn't make this stuff up. I didn't write these things. I'm not standing here in my own authority. I'm not standing here proclaiming my own opinions. I, I didn't get what I'm going to tell you today from a blog or from a vlog or from a podcast. I got what I have to say to you today by studying God's word in context and applying it to the whole of God's word. And brethren, this is what God is saying to us. And we need to hear this. So some people, you, you say sometimes, well, if Jesus were standing here and Jesus were saying it, I would do it. Well, that's essentially what's going on in the preaching of God's word. And we need to convey to God's people, particularly if we are of a more timid nature. And, and, and we're fearful of men's faces and we want everybody to like us and we don't any, ever want anybody ever to be offended. You need to understand that that's not up to you. You, you are a, a man under authority proclaiming God's word to God's people with the authority that comes from the thus saith the Lord and not the timidity that comes from this is what I think. Now, again, if all you ever have to say is this is what I think, then, yeah, please be timid about that. Uh, don't don't give that with exclamation points and don't give that with all authority because that that authority only rests with your opinion. But men, when we give God's word to God's people, don't be shy to say, this is the will of God for your life. And if you're not doing it, then you need to understand that you're in sin. And this is what God has for you. Now let's consider finally the man. And in a sense, this is really one of my great burdens. And, and, and for theology students uh, in particular, and for seminary students, this is a time very often that is geared toward your mind and the accumulation of knowledge. And it can be very possible that your learning is going to get far beyond your, your, uh, your godliness and your integrity. And you're going to know more than you do. And you're going to have convictions that are stronger than your life, if that makes sense. And so it can produce at times you know, a guy's, a guy's convinced, I got to give this doctrine, I got to say this thing, and, and yet his own life hasn't caught up with him. And, uh, and very often when a man's life hasn't caught up yet with his theology, he can become proud and angry and bitter and vindictive and judgmental and censorious and, and all of the rest. And so Paul says here, speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, and then he says this, let no one despise you. Let no one disregard you. And what he's going to say is, and, and this is not contrary to what I've just laid out, is that your ability to speak these things and to come alongside someone and exhort or stand in front of them and rebuke, that the effectiveness of that is going to be tied to the integrity of your life. Now, truth is truth, even if Balaam's donkey says it, right? Truth was truth when Judas said it. Truth was truth when, 
When Balaam said it, we quote Balaam sometime in, in, in our doctrine of God. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Not the greatest guy in the world. Uh, you wouldn't want to invite him to teach your theology class, even though what he said is accurate. But Paul is going to say, listen, you need to understand that there is a connection between who you are and the effectiveness of your ministry, particularly if you're going to do pastoral ministry. Now, you might be able to be an itinerant and go in and, uh, and because you're gifted and because you're able to, to have a powerful vocal ministry, people who don't know you might be able to welcome you into their pulpit and you can have a quote unquote effective ministry. But if you're going to live among God's people and be transparent among God's people, if they're going to witness your life and watch your wife and watch your kids and be in your home and, and see what you're like when your hair's down and what you're like outside of the pulpit, then you need to understand that there are going to be people watching not just your pulpit and not just your doctrinal statement, but your life. So he says, let no one despise you or disregard you. And so the man and the message are to some degree tied together. Preachers are not actors. And now there are preachers who might, I did some acting years ago. So, you know, but what I mean is in the pulpit or around the table, we are not acting. We're not pretending or playing the part of a godly man. Now, now there are preachers who've done that and they make headlines when they are exposed. A wicked man can, if you've seen certain movies, a wicked man can powerfully portray a good man and maybe move us to tears by their performance. But preaching is not to be acting. Now, we have decided in our nation that uh, somebody's integrity is not necessarily tied to their ability to function well in a, in a political office and, and all the rest. But again, this isn't the case with ministry. And while for some, a, a congregation may turn a blind eye to a pastor's failures as long as he, quote unquote, delivers the goods, we're not to allow that to salve our conscience. An elder must be, the word of God says. The ambassador for the Lord not only speaks the Lord's mind, but he bears his heart as one who has been touched by his grace. He who urges others to follow the lamb must be following the lamb himself. And he must not plead with others to attain a life or a lifestyle that he himself is not striving to attain. That's hypocrisy. Now the reality that Paul lays out here is rooted in the fact that some will try to escape the pressure of conscience by turning their attention away from the message to the messenger. They will look to despise you. And in despising you, they will hope to relieve themselves of certain gospel duties. The word despise has the idea of someone inspecting you, going all around you like a quality control inspector trying to find something wrong. Now notice here that the command, let no one despise you, is given not to the hearer. It's not given to the congregation. The congregation is not told, now don't despise the preacher. It's given to the preacher himself. Preachers not to say to God's people, don't look at me, stop looking at me. Stop trying to find fault with me. Rather, he's told to live and to minister with such integrity that people who do examine him are not going to find these gross faults. 
Now, this requires very quickly at least three things. If you're to have a ministry, if you're to speak these things, if you're to exhort and rebuke with all authority, then three things need to be true about you. First of all, you need to be an, ac an accurate exegete. If you're terrible in your presentation of the truth or sloppy in your presentation of the truth, and don't be surprised that you're not effective and don't be surprised that people have little heart to hear what you have to say. If you regularly ignore the context of a passage or the meaning of a passage, if you're ignorant of the basics of systematic theology, it will make it almost impossible for somebody to profit from you if they think they don't know what you're about. Secondly, we need to beware of sloppy, haphazard, bizarre, and foolish applications. There are certain men who have kind of moral hobby horses that they're always after, and it doesn't matter what the text is, they're going to start talking about this or that. And they love to tell people how to think. They love to tell people how to live. They'd like to tell people how to organize their homes, how to tell women how to dress, how to micromanage the flock in this way or the other. And again, eventually, people begin to look at their Bibles and say, that's not in, my, that's not in the text. Well, you do that, they're going to begin to despise you. Again, if you have no authority in what you say beyond your opinion, then people are not going to have a respectful listen to your ministry. But finally, there is this aspect of, of, of sloppiness of life. And few things will deteriorate a ministry quicker than finding out wretched hypocrisy in somebody's life. In fact, as, in, as recent scandals have, have brought out that a man can have perhaps a very, uh, uh, a lot of good things that they've said, a lot of books written perhaps, messages that have been given that have been useful, that have been helpful, that have been life-altering, that may have even led to per a person's conversion, but you can't separate that message from the messenger. And when the messenger is found out to be somebody who was grossly hypocritical, somebody who was obviously living a, a, a double life, it now gets to the point where I don't want to listen to these things anymore. I mean, it's not like the, 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 the book rewrote itself and now it's heresy. Everything that was good in it before, everything good in that message was still good, but nobody wants to hear it. You don't want to hear it from that person. So I I talk about sometimes you just go to half-price books and, and uh, when the next minister falls, within the next week or two, shelves are full of their books because people don't want it on their shelf anymore. And, and, and we need to be careful, not think to ourselves, well, it doesn't really matter how I live as long as what I say is, is true. Well, it does matter how you live. And your ability to be able to come alongside people is going to be rooted in your integrity before God. It's going to be rooted in your ability to say things with your wife and with your children present without them being threatened to be quiet. <laughs> you know, like I've actually heard of some men doing, don't you say a word about what goes on in our home. There's a facade that needs to be presented so that I can have an authoritative ministry. Well, they want to have the authoritative ministry, not because really they want to do good to, to God's people, because, but because they desire to lord it over God's people. And we need to be careful as we have... And we're going to be trained to have ministries. You're going to be trained in this place to have a fearless, faithful ministry. You're going to be trained to accurately open God's word. You're going to be trained to not fear the faces of men. You're going to be trained 
to have courageous, God-honoring, and, 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 and loving application of the truth that is willing in order to, to heal at the end, to wound for now. And, and the scriptures talk about God being a God who wounds and heals and that we can have a ministry that will point out and faithfully expose sin. And so there will be times when there are tears and, and, and repentance that come about as a result. That's the way we're going to be trained. Solid theology, fearless application. But men, if you want to be that kind of pastor... And you say, I want to be the kind of man that unashamedly speaks these things. I want to be the kind of man that exhorts. And I want to be the kind of man who can lovingly rebuke. And I want to be able to stand up before God's people with all authority and say, listen, I've done my homework. This is what the word of God says. Look at it. Look at the text. Look at the context. But man, you need to understand that all of that can be undone. I said a sloppy life. I mean an ungodly life. I mean an unguarded life. And the tragic reality is that some will do, you had the famous incident in the last few weeks of decades of hypocrisy. But sometimes a man may, in, 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 a, in a moment of an unguarded life, not lived in the fear of God, they can do irrevocable damage to their life and to their ministry and to their family by unguarded moments. And like was said of David when David sinned with Bathsheba, that the one bad act of a good man is often far more damaging than many evil acts of an evil man. And we need to understand that if we're going to be the kind of men that do good over the long haul to God's people. So this is my exhortation here at the end because I know, I know how you're being trained. So I was trained. I know what kind of ministry you want to have. It's the kind of ministry I've tried to have over 31 years. But man, that's going to be tied to your own walk with God, your own love for Christ, your own persevering in, in love toward others, guarding your heart from cynicism and guarding your heart from bitterness and making war with those sins that make war with you. And, 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 and men, I know you know, and I know, the Word of God tells us that there are things that, that war against us. The flesh will war against the Spirit, but it also says the Spirit will war against the flesh. And we need to make sure that we're not merely being warred against, but that we are making war toward those sins that would not just undermine our ministry. And I, I want to be careful that you not just think that I'm talking about Oh, it would be a terrible thing if you're no longer a preacher. That, that, that's terribly damaging, and it damages. And I'm not saying, it's not simply that you'll lose your job, and you'll lose your reputation, and you might lose your home. It's that you can do tremendous damage to God's people, and you can do tremendous damage to your, and to your family, and tremendous damage to your own soul. And so, brothers, I just want to exhort you, in the midst of all of your studies, watch over your heart. Watch over your own soul. Keep a close watch in your spiritual life. Continue to drink in the Word of God. Strive to live in the fear of God. And ask God to help you. As it says in the book of Jude, keep yourself in the love of God uh, and, and focus there. And if you will walk in the fear of God, the Bible says that if you will, uh, in the Word of God it says, take heed to yourself, um, 
uh, lest you fall. And so the idea is if you do take heed to yourself, let he who thinks he stands take heed. I, I was get ahead of myself. Uh, let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And I think the promise of God's word is if we will watch over our hearts and guard, and guard our hearts, God will help us to keep our integrity unto the end that we might have a good and faithful ministry. Let's pray and let's ask God's blessing on this. Father, thank you for your word and uh, do pray that you would uh, write these things upon our hearts. We desire, Father, to have this kind of ministry, but we know at the end we must walk as you have commanded us to walk. We ask your blessing and your mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's Sermon Select on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CVTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. To learn more, visit cbtseminary.org.